This is Reinvented. I'm Chris Bordoni, and this show is about the art and science of transformation. In season two of Reinvented, we're exploring ways to design a better life from your physical health to your mental well being and far, far beyond. Today, I'm joined by Carrie Styers, a friend of mine who is an intuitive medium, a spiritual teacher, and a life coach. Now, this conversation might sound a bit out there, so give me a second to explain. There's three reasons why I wanted to include this interview in season two of this show. First, if you're listening, chances are you're a deeply analytical person. Maybe you're a doctor, a lawyer, a consultant, or someone who makes a living with facts and figures and thinking about what's knowable. I present this conversation as a counterpoint. It's an opportunity to hear from someone who's deeply intuitive and empathetic and whose life journey looks totally different than mine or perhaps many others. Second, I think this conversation is a helpful reminder to be open to new ideas. Even if you disagree with her or perhaps just don't relate to much of what Carrie says, what if even a small portion of what she says is true? How might that impact your beliefs and the way that you live your life? Finally, as you'll hear, it took Carrie a lot of courage to follow her own path. I think for all of us who are trying to live better lives, there's something that's really powerful in here about being fearless and about finding your own way. Okay, here's Carrie. My name is Carrie Styers. I live in Tampa, Florida, and I am an intuitive medium, a spiritual life coach, an intuitive life coach, and a spiritual teacher. You know, I do readings for a living. I connect people with their loved ones in spirit. I also, you know, channel intuitive guidance. And also I feel like, you know, just part of the work here is also just reminding people, connecting people to their divinity and connecting people to the truth of who they are and reminding them how powerful and they are um, in this world, that we're all a spark of the divine and just helping folks to receive, I think, a different type of guidance in this world um, and intuitive guidance and guidance from their higher selves as well. Um, but yeah, that's that's who I am. Carrie, that's awesome. Um, I feel like we should pause on this for a moment. So I think for a lot of people that are listening right now, um, a psychic, an intuitive, a medium, like these are things that certainly they've heard about. Maybe it has a connotation for them, but maybe many of them haven't experienced or haven't perhaps been very open to as as an idea. Um, can you kind of step through and give me a sense for how does this world work? Like, what does it mean to be a medium and, and how are you able to help people in your practice? You know, it's interesting. I'm going to bring up my childhood and my first experience with, um, you know, having a mediumship experience. When I was a little girl, um, I grew up in a rural part of Indiana um, and I was very close to my grandmother. She was my best friend and she passed away quite suddenly when I was five years old. And we went to the church. Of course, she had a very traditional uh, funeral at a church. And I remember being at the church and there was an open casket in front of us. And in that open casket, I saw her and it was difficult and powerful. But sitting in the pew of the church right before the funeral started, I remember hearing someone calling my name and not only even calling me by my name, but calling me by my nickname, Pumpkin. And all of a sudden I looked up and there was my grandmother walking down the center aisle of the church, dressed in her Sunday best, followed by some of her closest friends. Um, And she stopped at the end of our pew and she asked me to scoot down that she was here for her funeral. And I remember at five years old feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm crazy. I'm hallucinating. Um, I'm having an out-of-body experience. (laughs) 
and this can't be real because I said to her, grandma, this cannot be real because you're supposed to be in that casket. I see you in the casket up there. What is going on here? And she said to me so clearly, pumpkin, no, 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 no. She's like, I am here for my big day. This is my big day. I'm here for my big day. You need to scoot on down. I got some friends with me. You need to scoot down. And she was like, go, go, go. And of course, because she controlled me (laughs) and she was the love of my life. I listened to her because that's what you do. You know, you listen to your listening to your elders. I pay, I, I followed her instructions. So I remember whispering into my mother's ear and my mother looked at me a little oddly, but it was okay. Then she whispered into my father's ear and then my father whispered into my grandfather's ear. And before we know it, we've all scooted down in the pew to make room for my grandmother and P.S. a few of her friends. Wow. (laughs) And, you know, I remember her being there and being next to me. It was as if she was a a real person, um, like an actual physical being. And she was dressed in her Sunday best. I can tell you exactly what she looked like. I remember her friends and, you know, the funeral began and the preacher started preaching, of course, all these wonderful things about her because she was a faithful, devout churchgoer and a pillar in our community, our small community, beloved by many. And he was talking and she was clapping and cheering and her friends, they were going on and on. They were actually, it's like being at a baseball game or a football game. Okay. It was like, they were going on and on. They were a bit rowdy. And I was like, what is going on here? I mean, I kept looking at her thinking again, I am crazy. Yeah. And um, the church choir sang, and she was so into it. Then she started crying and I was like, I was, you know, in awe. I was just staring at her most of the funeral. I can imagine. And at the end of the funeral, she got up to leave. And I had this terrible sense of just wave of sadness came over me. And I was like, wait a second. Um, You can't go. You can't go. Like, you're my best friend. You can't leave me here in this crazy world. And at five years old, trust, trust, oh, trust. I knew that life was going to be crazy and that the world, the three-dimensional world was going to be crazy. I was like, you can't leave me here alone. I was panicked. And she stopped, turned around and kind of got down, crouched down and said to me in a very loving, compassionate voice, pumpkin, I love you. You have a very special gift. You can see me and you're going to see many others and you're going to feel a lot of feelings and you're going to know a lot of things. And I want you to know that I love you, that I'm always going to be with you. I'm never going to leave your side. You're going to see me again. Um, I need you to feel that. And you're going to help a lot of people and you're going to see a lot of things. And she said to me before she left, she said, please do not be afraid. This is a gift. This is a blessing. And she turned and she was gone. And I I bring up that experience because um, as a child, that was really, that was one of my first memories that I'm remembering. And, And she left me with that legacy of understanding, of seeing in that very clear moment that the soul goes on. Now, some of Mm. you who are listening might think that I was hallucinating, you know, and having some, you know, I don't know, psychotrop, I don't know, some experience that, you know, with my brain, but it felt very, very real to me as a child. And 
Um, and her reassurance was that, hi, I am not that corpse in that casket up there. Um, I actually am a living, breathing soul. I am a living, breathing energy. And I go on and her friends and we go on beyond this physical experience, even when our time in a body has drawn to a close. And after that experience, you know, I continue to have other experiences. So for me, I guess I'm at a bit of a luxury in the sense of I have been able to see, I've witnessed it literally. I'm clairvoyant. So I see things. So I've lit for me, I've witnessed it. Um, but I feel that, you know, we are energetic beings and we can go back to science about this and talk about physics where, you know, physics talks about the fact that, you know, energy can be changed, but it can't really be destroyed. And there is actually some science around that. And there's a lot of science and research around the energy that our bodies emit and the fact that we are energetic. And I love that. When I come back to that, I, I come back to that, that idea that, you know, even though the soul shifts and changes, the soul never dies. So, and I have always been given a lot of evidence that the soul goes on. So for me, it's just about us kind of, you know, getting back to a fundamental truth about who we are as energetic beings. And it doesn't have anything to do with religious beliefs or, you know, any of that dogma. It's just about the idea that the soul is on a continuum and that, you know, in certain ways, um, as Dr. Brian Weiss would say, you know, we are never really born and we never really die, that the soul is really on a continuum of sorts. Um, and so I just really feel like part of my life's work is also to remind individuals um, and to help us remember, because I feel like we're in this bit of an amnesia. When we come into a body, we kind of come under an amnesia so we can focus on this lifetime to help us to remember that on some certain level, hey, it's okay. Um, your soul is going to go on. Your loved ones are not going to die per se. They're just changing form. And P.S., you're going to have a lot of time in your eternal energetic life form to get it worked out. So yeah. it's okay. It's okay. In other words, it's okay. Taking some of the pressure off, taking some of the pain out of this experience. But you know, that's how I'm framing it up. And I can understand how, you know, others would listen to that story and say, eh, I can't quite connect to that, but that's always been my experience. And of course we can only ever lead in our life with the experiences that we've had. Okay. What we've experienced. So this is just, I was so blessed in the sense that at such a young age, I was given such for me would be like a concrete piece of evidence. Yeah. And it, it's interesting because I mean, that is like a, a really sort of in your face, like huge, I imagine life altering experience, right? Like, mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, some of us, I, I think probably many of us have had experiences where there's signs where something happens where, you know, there's an odd synchronicity where like someone pops into your life at exactly the right moment. Like, I think many mm -hmm. people have had those experiences where it makes you wonder if there isn't something bigger at play, right? Regardless right. of kind of what your spirituality or faith says about right. it. Um, I think that that is like a, that's something that a lot of people appreciate and, and many people I think see that and say, okay, like maybe that's not just random. Maybe this world isn't, um, isn't random. But what happened in your case is like, sounds much more purposeful, much bigger, much more intentional. And I imagine as a five-year-old is something that, that, you know, either was like a really destabilizing and sort of crazy event or was something that gave you a really different view of the world as you, you know, started to grow up and started to have more and more of those experiences. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because when there's a lot of research out there, if you'll look at it about children and their experiences um, that children tend to about them, you know, talking about loved ones or, you know, being having a special friend, you know, an imaginary mm-hmm. friend. Um And the veil, we say that the veil is very thin for children because of their, you know, how open they are and their receptivity. But I would also say even as adults, um, you know, you talk about those synchronistic events. I love that, you know, the idea that there is, you know, gosh, there's so many conversations you and I could have about even that and its own conversation piece about life plans and about before we even come into body and about us being in earth school. There's so many conversation pieces we had here, but also as adults, excuse me, that, you know, we dream, having dreams when we have dreams about loved ones, you know, having dreams or we smell a scent that reminds us of someone or we hear a song that reminds us of someone or we see a picture and we feel a longing or we see something in our world or we see a bird or, you know, something happens that triggers that memory or triggers that association. Yeah. Um, and for me in my world, some people might say, oh, that's just, you know, coincidental or just interesting. For me in my world, that, you know, that, that those are ways in which the spirit world are trying to connect and help us to understand that they're with us and to remind us that they're there and that they're present. So that's just a different way of looking at it and a different perception and a different re- a reframing of that, those experiences. Yeah. I think one other thing that's, that's helpful to add too, is that so much of this um, and the way that I think most people, myself included, and certainly in the past would view things that we can't explain, like the metaphysical broadly, um, is is shaped by the context in which we grow up. But when you step outside of like what it means to be, you know, educated, Western, whatever it is, right? Um, it, actually, some of the things that seem really, I guess, crazy to like to you or me or maybe people that are listening actually are really um, like really well accepted elsewhere, right? So if, if we were in, you know, if we were in an Eastern country, you might believe in things like reincarnation, right? Like that just, it might be part of what you've always known and always grown up with. Depending on where you are in the world and where you are in history, um, I think th- some of these ideas actually are are like extremely well accepted. That's sort of, I think, maybe not comfort for a lot of people, but I think it's always fascinating to think about like, what are our blind spots or what, are, what, what, um, what knowledge are we coming in with that, you know, maybe other people wouldn't necessarily share or wouldn't necessarily agree with? Well, I love what I love about you bringing up about that is the whole idea about us being open, right? Yeah. It's the idea that, okay, do we really know, you know, is one way, is our way of thinking really the right way? Okay. Is it really true? Um, I think that's a question I pose to myself. And I think as, you know, as a seeker and, you know, a lot, which a lot of us are, okay, learning, growing, expanding our consciousness, that it brings up a lot of questions of, ooh, okay, is some of the way the dogma, some of the ways in which I was raised, some of the things I was told, is it actually true? And I think for a lot of us, we're trying to break that down in terms of, you know, our imprint, our, you know, our family imprint and trying to work through childhood issues or trauma or pain um, and trying to heal ourselves and grow past that old story. I think in terms of our spiritual, like what we how we feel or perceive spirituality or how we perceive the world outside of this, you know, or life outside of this experience, it's the whole idea about being open to the fact that there may in fact be more. Yeah. And um, I think even that willingness or having that willingness to say, you know what, I'm unsure of what lies beyond this, but I understand that it's 
feasible and it's possible. You know, I remember I had a hospice patient. I was living in Los Angeles and I had a hospice patient and he was an, was an atheist and he didn't believe in nothing. Okay. And I was, we were very close and he thought I was crazy. <laughs> P.S. He thought I was nuts. And I was telling him how I thought, how I perceived the world to be beyond this and that the soul being eternal and that we go beyond earth and that you know, earth is just earth school. We come here for just a short time to grow and evolve. And then we go back home. Um, and he thought I was nuts. And I'll never forget after his passing, I got a phone call randomly from a radio station that had pulled my name to talk to a psychic out of all things. Okay. In Los Angeles, prominent radio station. And I got on the phone. I was like, okay, this is so weird, but I'm going to go with it because weird things are happening. And I'm like, okay, even for me, this is odd. And I get on the phone with this prominent psychic, this medium. And he says, I've got someone here. And he described my hospice patient to a T and I said, okay. And he said, his message for you is the joke's on him. <laughs> he loves you and he'll see you soon. And he said, thank you. When he transitioned, it actually wasn't as scary because he, he, he just wants you to know, you know, he's laughing, he's teasing you and he's saying, you'll understand this. The joke's on him. And that was hysterical to me. So even as an intuitive, okay, I get shocked by things, okay? And things happen and I receive validation and I receive messages that I'm like, what in the world? You know, I had that. I was like, this was just a random human being on this radio show, on this prominent LA, you know, radio station, calling me out of the blue, channeling, you know, my hospice patient who just passed, telling me that he'd made it and that he was okay. And that PS, maybe I wasn't so crazy after all. <laughs> yeah. You know, what I love in in there and what you're talking about is just the idea that um, we all have to find our own path. Yeah. Right? So for some people, you know, they may have made it two minutes into this episode and said, no, thank you, or saw the cover art and said, like, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to skip on this one. And I think that's completely fine. Um, I think for other people, you know, maybe there's like a little bit of, of openness or maybe some people are at a place where they've tried things and the paths that they've gone down just haven't given them the answers or the comfort that they're looking for. And so maybe they're open to trying something new. And I love the idea of people exploring. And in my practice and in my work, like I spend a lot of time just trying to help people see what are different directions you can go in? Because mm -hmm. I think when uh, when we feel helpless, when we feel like there's nowhere that we can go, I think that's a really tough place to be in. But the reality is, is there's always different rocks that you can kick over, right? There's always different things that you can try and explore. Mm -hmm. And I think that ends up providing people with a lot of hope and a lot of encouragement. Um, so I guess what I'd love to do is I'd love to chat a little bit more about like, what does it actually look like, right? I think there's probably a lot of myths around engaging with an intuitive and having some of those conversations. When does someone seek you out? And what is that first conversation usually like for you? I find that a lot of people seek me out when they are um, needing answers and solutions that they can't find elsewhere. Maybe mm -hmm. they've tried traditional counseling. Maybe they've talked to a trusted friend. Um, maybe they've done some research and they just can't seem to find an answer that settles them, that is settling or an, an answer that is satisfying for them. Yeah. And so they're like, okay, this is crazy, but I'm just going to like, you know, okay, I'm just going to try it. You know, somehow they get an urge or someone's had a good experience and said, hey, you know, I worked with this person and you might want to give her, you know, she had some really interesting insight. So I find that people come to me when they're in crisis or they come to me when they have tried a lot of, op you know, they've tried many other modalities of seeking 
you know, help in some way and they just haven't, it hasn't given them exactly what they needed. Yeah. Um, and so, and also people, I think at this point, I think it's also people wanting to connect with their loved ones and spirit, because I do feel like we're getting to a more place in society, especially all these television shows where that's a little bit more accepted and, you know, that's a little bit more mainstream. Um, and so I always tell people when they tell me they're nervous, I'm like, oh, please, I know why you're nervous because I know it's different. I know it's like weird. I know it's something you've never done before. But talking to me is like talking to an old friend. You know, you're just like going to be talking to an old friend. And Mm. essentially what happens is that um, before every session, I go into meditation um, and I go into a place of prayer and contemplation and I reach out to my spirit guides, which, you know, I believe we all have guides here. I don't think anyone comes to earth um, without a support team. So for me, what I've always been shown is that we have a support team that's assigned to us before we come into a body and that their only job is to be with us here and to support us here. So when people talk about being alone, I'm like, I don't really feel that that's possible because I'm always being mm-hmm. shown that we always, you know, have a certain level of guidance around us. But I talk to my team. I call them my team, my spirit squad. You know, I talk to my team. Sorry, Carrie, one question on that. When when people talk about like feeling like they have a guardian angel or someone was looking, looking out for them or mm-hmm. there was sort of like someone sitting on their shoulder whispering in their ear, like is that sort of the, is that similar to what you're talking about here? Yes. And thank you. Okay. For like, there's a lot of ways in which you can speak about it. Um the way I've always been shown, if you want to get into my technicalities, is that we all have a team. You know, we always we all have a team around us. And that team is comprised of loved ones in spirit who are watching out for us. Um, it's comprised of different teachers that we've worked with from the other side, okay, um, who have normally incarnated here, but who are still, you know, in the non-physical is what I call it, um, spirit guides. Um, angels, if you believe in those, ascended masters, teachers, um, and loved ones, and they're a part of it. And so when people talk about that, having a little, you know, a guardian angel, um, I think if you go a little bit deeper to kind of see who that actually is, but yes, it's a form of that. That's the reason why I talk about the spirit squad or your team. Um, yes, someone on your team there who's watching over you. But P.S., I've always been shown that we have a lot of folks in spirit who are watching out for us, so... Got it. Okay. All right. Sorry, you're you're describing your practice. So no, you, no, it's all good. So I go into yeah, so essentially I go into meditation. I open up my intuitive, uh, you know, my my intuitive centers, my chakras. Um, I reach out to my guides and my team, and then um, just kind of focus in on my client's energy, their name. I use names a lot, their name, their energy, and I just ask spirit to bring in the guidance to give me messages for whatever this person needs. Now, sometimes those are people, loved ones, and spirit who come in. I sometimes see spirit guides. Um, And a lot of times I'm also just kind of feeling through my guides and my, and my um, clients guides will just kind of show me bullet points of what this person is working on and issues, you know, any issues of concern. So I don't actually, in my work, I don't ask for any information upfront from my clients except a date of birth so I can do some basic numerology and astrology. I don't ask for any information. Um, I go in completely cold to all of my readings. Um, I don't want to be influenced at all by questions up front. I really want to assess um, what spirit has to say up front. And by spirit, I mean guides, angels, whoever is, you know, whoever wants to come through. But I really want the universe guy, whatever you want to call the process. I want to be driven from that process. Um, So 
and these are people, you know, so I couldn't possibly know any of this. So what happens normally is that spirit will give me bullet points of issues that um, are going on in the individual's life or issues that they feel need to be addressed. Um, I'll normally write down any loved ones, any, whatever I'm seeing, whatever I'm feeling. And a lot of times, most times when I'm talking to my clients, those things that spirit has brought up, okay, are the things that they actually want to talk about. That's because, you know, I see everything in this world as being such a cooperative experience. You know, I don't feel us walking alone. So when I, you know, I, when, when you go to your doctor, you know, I feel that your doctor is actually an intuitive, you know, I feel we're all intuitives. We're all, especially healers, that healers are, in, are doing intuitive work. So when you're walking into your doctor's office, I don't think that's just you and your doctor. I feel like that's you, your guides, your team and spirit and your doctor and his guides. Okay. And like that, it's a very, that there's a lot going on there and that your doctor, your therapist, um, I'm trying, I can go down a laundry, your teacher. Okay. Whatever that they're all um, connected, that that work is, it's a very intuitive process. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot going on there. And so that's certainly the way my work is as well. So, and like I said, I do use, you know, some basic numerology and some astrology as well to kind of, to guide my sessions as well. Um, and then it's just a, like a, it's, just an informal conversation. I mean, everyone's different and every intuitive has their own process, just like every doctor has their own process and every therapist has their own process. Um, everyone's different, but that's my process is I bring a lot, I talk a lot up front and then it's a very interactive back and forth process of asking questions, kind of getting clearer, um, you know, and it mostly, normally it turns out okay. Yeah. I love I love the idea that this is like just a variation on what everyone else is already doing, right? Like so if doctors and other people like there we're all using our intuition in some way shape or form. Yes. And and so this is a different way, maybe a way that the people are less familiar with, um some people, you know, are, are I think are are deeply familiar with, but um, it's not it's not really actually that different. It's just kind of a variation on a theme. I'm always reminded, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna ta- I'm I'm always reminded that I am a vessel. And that spirit is working through me, the universe, you know, however you want to term it, is working through me. Um, and that there is a divine intelligence in the universe about what people need. And that my only job is to get my brain out of the way and to get my head out of the way. Okay. Um, and I don't mean that intelligence is a bad, but it's, you know, we have all these states of awarenesses and intelligence being one of them. But it's for me to get out of the way to allow something bigger, okay, to to take form and to work through me. And so for me, I think that can mean a lot of different things for, for individuals. You know, for some individuals who have lost a loved one, it's just helping them to connect or make that connection and also to see the possibility that life might go on after this physical life and that there is, you know, that they will be reunited with their loved ones. For others, because I do a lot of coaching, intuitive coaching, um, which I think all counseling is intuitive. So P.S., I think all therapy and counseling is intuitive as well. Um, but um, in that process, it's I do a lot of work around helping others remember their divinity. And, you know, I have always been shown that we're all a spark of the divine and helping people to realize how powerful and strong they are and how capable they are. Yeah. 
One thing you're making me think of is that in a lot of the conversations I've had with people, people who've been through, you know, tremendous adversity, there's a theme that runs through them where many of those folks have gotten to a place where they were so overwhelmed or so despondent or just so like the situation felt so hopeless that all they could do was surrender. Like all they could do was give up whatever they were struggling with to something bigger than than themselves. And I think it's been really interesting to hear stories of people who weren't particularly spiritual Mm -hmm. um, or maybe hadn't been in a long, long time, but who in that moment said, okay, like I'm, I guess I'm willing to try something else or this feels like the only thing. And so they allow that to come into their life. Right. And I think it's fascinating how often that shows up um, because I think, you know, kind of to your point, like there's, there's for many people, like you get to that place where that's, that's the only option that you have, or it feels like it's the only option. And it provides like a tremendous amount of hope and direction and just a really different, I think, energy than, you know, trying to use your intelligence or your physical abilities to make something happen. I think what you're describing for some people in certain situations is just so much more powerful and so much more effortless than, than trying to bang your head against the wall and make it happen. Amen. And I feel like, you know, so often speaking to that question as well is that, you know, things happen in life that literally crack us open, right? That our heart, and I think of it always in terms of our heart, you know, that the heart just gets cracked open, you know, that it like gets broken and cracked in such a way that in the cracking of it being cracked open, that the beautiful part about the heart being cracked open is that it allows for the light to, you know, come in. It allows for the, it it allows a little light in to the heart. Okay. And what it does is that it's like essentially, you know, in a forest, you know, where, you know, where trees have been, you know, you know, fallen down that the light, it allows for a little light to come in into that patch of the forest and then new seedlings, you know, take root and new growth takes place. And that is the beauty of, you know, that's the beauty of a crisis. And I love that. Um, there's that whole idea out there. Don't take away a good crisis from folks. Okay. From people don't take away a good crisis because in fact, crisis is one of our greatest instruments to learn from. And that in that cracking open, um, that we're allowed, we are then allowing ourselves to be open. Okay. To other ideas and other possibilities. So it's just such a beautiful time for growth. Um, and I look at all, you know, as an abuse survivor, I mean, even look at that as a child, you know, and it was, you know, I did a lot of counseling and a lot of therapy with that, but my goodness gracious, it's like, I would never take away that experience in my life because it was one of the things in my, in my story that cracked me open to be open to other ways. And I'm so grateful to it. Can we, can we go back to your childhood for a moment? So you mentioned having this experience with your grandmother at five, which is a really, a really young age, right? Yeah. Um, and then you, you mentioned having subsequent experiences after that. Um, but what was it like realizing that you had a gift or maybe struggling with this question of like, was that real? Did I, do I actually have a gift? But then like, how do you get from there to where you are now? Right. Because like, you still have to go to school like everyone else. You still have friends. You still, I imagine have normal problems, right? Like even if, even for people who have gifts, they're still human in every other single way. Right. Um, and sometimes even more so struggling with other things. Like what was that experience like for you as a a young person? And then how did that ultimately lead to a place where you said, you know, I have the courage to, to make this my practice, to put myself out there and to be helping people full time. Like what was that evolution like for you? 
My goodness gracious. I feel like I could write like a novel about my childhood. It was cray cray. <laughs> when people tell me they're like, oh my gosh, you wouldn't understand. I'm like, oh no, no, no. I've seen it all. So that's part of what makes me good at what I do. Cause I've seen it all. No, I can tell you, I don't know. I've been there. Um, I I'm going to be honest with you, especially now as an adult, kind of looking back, I think to myself here, I was a child feeling all of these things. Cause of course, intuition is really a feeling, you know, that's what mm-hmm. it is. It's a feeling. It's a knowing. Okay. I'm talking about mediumship or clairvoyance, seeing things is something different, but intuition is just having a sense or a feeling. And we all have senses and feelings about all the things. Hello, look at how triggered the world gets. Everybody's got feelings. Okay. That's all a form of intuition. So I, I grew up in a really small conservative community, you know, where none of this would be acceptable. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was really blessed when I had a mother, my mother, who was open to it. And she and her little friends, she had a group of little friends, and they were all real interested in psychic phenomena. And they were all like, ooh, okay, we're like, you know, they all wanted to talk, you know, connect with Aunt Betty in spirit. Okay, they were all kind of a little open to that. So I was really blessed um, to be born, even though I was in this very kind of, you know, conservative um, community. I was actually, you know, born into a family um, that yeah. was fairly open to it. Um, and that was a blessing. And it happened to be that in Indiana, there's a spiritualist camp there called Camp Chesterfield that my mom knew someone there. And so when I was 12 or 13, she took me up there um, to, to speak with this person. And that person really changed my world because she saw me and she knew because, you know, I saw myself in her and she knew what was going on with me, another, you know, psychic medium, another intuitive. And she very quickly um, explained what was going on to me. And she very quickly explained that to my mother. And so my mom was great in the sense that I had that one person in my life who didn't, she, while she didn't celebrate it and tell me, Hey, go do this 24 seven. She also didn't demonize it for me. Um, it wasn't problematic and, um, and, you know, she would take me up to camp four or five times a year. And each time I would be essentially, I would go into classes and I would do stuff with my mentor. My mom at the time didn't really know that she was fostering me to have a career in this, but she just was like letting her daughter play, you know, and letting me be a part of that. So I was really blessed in that sense. And I would have experiences and I would just tell my friends, oh, you know, I would just kind of quietly whisper to my friends or people. I would I would, in my own little way, try to give people messages. Um, But it wasn't until my, um, you know, later in life where I, you know, had been a journalist, I'd been a writer, I'd done lots of other things that um, my mentor called me, that same person who I had been, you know, mentored with since I was 12, called me and said, you know, I'm dying. Um, I have a terminal cancer diagnosis and it's time for you to step up. And I remember that conversation on the phone and I remember saying to her, like, you're crazy. I, there is no way in this world I'm going to do this work full time. That's nuts. Um, I wanted to run for the hills. And she was like, no, 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 you're going to do this. And um, you're every bit as good as I am. And you need to get over your fears and you need to go, you know, you need to go work on your fears and you need to try this. And because she was someone of influence in my life, even though I told her to her face that I thought she was crazy. Um, I, I think 
she gave me the permission to step forward because I remember being 17 and being at the mall and talking to a friend and having this moment where I thought to myself, wow, it would be really cool if I could get paid just to talk to people about the fact that life goes on and that the soul goes on and that there's more to this world. And I remember having a seed of that at Hmm. 17. But then just as soon as that seed came in, I was like, oh, no, no, that's not possible. They're going to hang you. They're going to totally discredit you. Nobody's going to believe you. They're going to think you're crazy. Okay. Like PTSD from every past life of probably, you know, having every spiritual belief in the world. Okay. Um, And I just as immediately, you know, just as soon as I gave myself permission to be it, I took it away from myself. And so I think that that conversation with my mentor was really obviously the catalyst. That one conversation was the catalyst to kind of get me to explore it. And I just explored it. And I talk a lot about that with clients, which is if you're curious about something or you're feeling drawn to something, you don't have to do it full time. You can just explore it. And that's what I did initially. Um, I just explored it and the door started opening and it just felt right. And I just, you know, I just, whoever would have thought that I could build a business, I never thought I was capable of such things. I never thought that I could do this work and that I would be, people would listen to me and that people would believe me. Um, But I don't know, I could go on. I I hope I'm answering your question, but it was, um, I look back now and think this was always the way it was going to go. When I was 16, I was writing term papers on, you know, past life regressions and near-death experiences. And I was reading 25, 30 books. I was doing all the research. I was laying all the groundwork at that point for this career. I just didn't know it. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I love the idea of of like testing and exploring. And it's it's interesting parallel. Like that's something that I talk about with people all the time where mm-hmm. maybe someone you know is in a job that they're like not super passionate about and they've always wondered about this other thing that they could go do, but they don't have the courage or the money or whatever to just quit and go do it. And so it's like, great, well, what can you do to test that, that interest? Like what's something small you can do in the evenings or on the weekends or for free or whatever it is, right? Like to go and see if that's something that that fits with you, that resonates with you. And so I think that's really interesting that you got to that place on your own where it was like, okay, I'll explore this. I'll try this. Um, and that's a stepping stone toward what ultimately ended up happening. But it's such a great way to de-risk it and to make it not seem so, like such a big deal in the moment. I was terrified. So let's also be honest about that. Okay. I was terrified. Ask my husband. I was terrified. But I'm also a believer that try it and see how it feels. And if it feels expansive and P.S., if there's actually, if there are positive data points, if you get a positive data point, then you can, that's permission to then go and explore it more. Yeah. So I'm always encouraging folks to listen to their intuition. I call it your intuition, your feelings, okay, your intuition. How are you feeling in this moment? When you kind of branch out, okay, and dip your toe in the water, how does it feel? How does it feel? And if it feels expansive and joyful, more of that, please. Go there. That's permission. To me, that's permission from the universe to continue to explore that. And if the doors start opening, and I was very blessed because when I started my business um, and I started my platform on Instagram, you know, um, 
doors open very quickly for me. So that's also, I always think that that's a sign from the universe that that's a yes. You know, that's a sign from the universe of like, yes, hey, keep going. Hey, keep going, keep going. Um, But even if there had been resistance there, I probably would have explored it because it felt so good to me. You know, it felt so good. Even if there had been, you know, resistance, I probably would have continued to explore it. But so let's for folks who are listening who are maybe a little bit curious, right, and, and want to go and do some exploring, let's talk about what that can look like for people, right? So mm-hmm. you mentioned your Instagram, so let's start with you. Um, I love your Instagram because I feel like it's so uplifting. It's so hopeful. Like, it's it's beautiful, but it's also just, like, it's a message that stands out, right? Like, in a world of negativity and division and all that stuff. Like, I love the fact that it's all super positive and helpful. And, like, that to me is is awesome. So I would encourage people to check that out. I'll link to the to your Instagram in the show notes. Um, if people wanted to work with you, wanted to get to know you, wanted to see other ways to engage with you, where would you direct them? Well, I always direct people to Instagram. I um, show up almost every single day um, on video in my stories on Instagram and give daily energy updates. So um, I use a lot of astrology and my intuition to kind of just pop in every day and just give my feeling about the energetics about what's going on. Um, I have always been taught that um, in terms of you know what content do you provide for folks? Well, you provide for others what you most need for yourself. And what I need every day, because hello, this world that we're living in can feel really crazy, okay, every moment. And I mean, hello, just all you need is last year to reference that, Um, is I just kind of want someone every day to tell me it's going to be okay. And I like a little, I like the way, I like a weather report as well, which is like, hi, here's the forecast for the week. It may not turn (laughs) out that way perfectly, but you know, please, it's going to rain on Wednesday. So wear a rain jacket. Okay. Hey, the energies are a little testy on Wednesday. You might need to practice a little bit more distant. You might need to set some better boundaries, you know, don't take it so personally. So I love encouragement. I love people telling me, here's what to expect. Here's what might happen. And P.S., I, we, you're, you're okay. You're going to be okay. And we love you. Yeah. Good for you. Um, you mentioned Dr. Brian Weiss earlier. Yes. I feel like uh, many lives, many masters is a, a gateway drug for a lot of people. Yes. I know a lot of people who've read that book and then it sort of led them down a, a rabbit hole of other books and, and opening up their mind. Are there other books, podcasts, like things that you think are a good starting point for someone who's curious um, but looking to take maybe a small step to do a little bit of exploring. Well, my favorite book about past life regressions that'll just blow your little cookie, okay? So I don't know that it's like a baby step is a book by Michael Newton called Journey of Souls. Now, yeah. Michael Newton is also a psych, um, I don't know, he was a psychologist um, who was also just like Dr. Brian Weiss, um, was using hypnotherapy in his practice um, to regress his patients back to childhood or to points in there where there's trauma to kind of help them work through trauma or pain. And in with all of a sudden, one day I had a client where he regressed them and all of a sudden they were no longer in this life. They were, <laughs> they were talking about... Um, life in between life. Um, it's so fascinating that you brought that up because I was, um, uh, I was probably 18 when I read that book and I had a family friend who recommended it. It was the first book in this sort of genre and it is sort of mind melting, right? When you think about it. But I think as someone who was like highly analytical, very rational minded, 
reading a book that was written by a psychologist who wasn't setting out to do any of this, Mm -hmm. right? But like these things just, this is just what happened. And then him documenting it in a way that was as scientific as he could make it was really fascinating. Like it was really helpful for me to bridge the gap and to at least start to open up my mind. Now I um, sort of put my spiritual exploration on hold at various points in my life. And and it's been through crises and things like that, where some of it's deepened for me as a as a practice and just as an exploration. Um, but I, I would agree. And it's sort of funny that that came up. I think it's a really interesting, interesting starting point. And it's interesting when you look at individuals, the thing for me when I was a teenager and doing the research is that what really helped me persuade me, even though I was having these experiences, right? So you're like, that alone should be enough evidence. No, I'm just like everybody else. I'm a damn skeptic, just like everybody else, okay? When you read people who have experienced near-death or who have had these near-death experiences, from all over the world throughout history, their accounts are so incredibly similar. Yeah. Shocking. Carrie, one last question for you. So 2020 was was a heck of a year. Um, I think we're all hoping that, you know, the end is near on a lot of different levels. I think that that's probably a bit optimistic, right? Like there was a lot of problems that existed before 2020. I think 2020 made them really obvious to a lot of a lot of us, but they didn't go away. So I guess the question I have for you is, what advice might you have for someone heading into the year, um, thinking about sort of trying to have it be a better year than last year? Is there anything that comes to mind for you that'd be helpful to share? Well, I think we all have to have some understanding that we're the world, and it's very clear as we're watching it, is going through a tremendous amount of healing right now and a lot of healing. And in the process of healing, anyone who is committed to healing themselves in some capacity on on a personal level knows that healing is not a linear process. You know, there are good days and there are bad days and there are good phases and there are phases where it is real hot and heavy. And, you know, there's a lot of energy that we have to and emotions that we have to process in order to fully resolve issues in our lives. And one of those is anger mm-hmm. and pain and resentment and bitterness and all those things, okay? Um, and I feel like that's a lot of what's emerging. So I would really encourage folks to A, be flexible this year, but to also understand, you know, astrologically, there's a theme that's emerging this year, but also kind of going forward, which is there's a push and pull going on right now between the old and the new, okay? Our old story versus this new path that we have that's healthier, more loving, Um that's healing. And there's a push and pull that's going on right now in the world. And that I think we just have to hold in our hearts that change um, is not always comfortable. It doesn't always mm. feel comfortable. And that healing never, I never, I'm actually going to say that, never feels comfortable initially. That in the process of healing, we have to unturn a lot of painful stones in order to come to peace with them and to, you know, and to forgive them and to move past them. So right now, I just think of there's so much pain that's emerging right now in the world. And we're realizing where things are out of balance and where there have been, you know, where there things have been unloving. And I would just say as well to each and every one of us, get comfortable. It's okay to be comfortable with things not being perfect and things not being easy right now. Um, the path to freedom and the path to healing means that you got to be willing to cut through those places that hurt and those places that are like, oh, sticky. Um, and so allowing us all to be patient in that process. And I will also say that, you know, I, 
Oh my gosh, I have so much to say about this, but particularly for this year, I think just staying as optimistic as possible and understanding that change takes time. And mm-hmm. that as I've read from another you know, card that there's a message out there that says the edge of evolution is messy. And that, you know, healing is not progress and healing are not, you know, they're not fully linear. It's three steps yeah. back, two steps forward. I mean, there's like, it's not linear, but that the the idea that we are faced, that things are coming up means that we're ready and that we're facing things. So I feel, will always remain very hopeful. Um, and I feel that, you know, in my world, you know, I feel that, you know, love is really all that's real. And ultimately we'll have the, you know, the final say as Martin Luther King said, you know, junior said that, you know, love will always have that final say just to be patient this year, you know, patient, the change is happening. Um, and I'm excited about it. And, um, I don't know so many things I could say. It's all good. It's all good. (laughs) Gary, I think that's a perfect place for us to stop. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful. Oh, thank you, Chris. You know, you are just, thank you for this podcast and, uh, this has been a wonderful space to share. And I also, for those of you, you know, um, who maybe have never considered some of these topics, <laughs> if you're still <laughs> listening, uh, to be open and maybe just to have that openness and willingness to, you know, to believe that there might be something more. So thank you for this opportunity to share today, Chris. Thanks so much for checking out this episode. If this was your first time listening to Reinvented, be sure to click the subscribe button now. If you've been enjoying the show for a while, don't forget to leave a rating in Apple Podcasts. And if you know someone that would love this episode, take a moment to spread the word. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.